Where can you find everything you want to buy? Amazon. What about two-day shipping no matter where I live? Amazon. What about groceries? Yes, Amazon has it. Go to d2rpn.com and click the Amazon banner. Fucking love it. Hey, it's Ryan. And it's Dave. If you guys like the skits on the Rock Vegas podcast, check out the Rock Vegas Puppet Show on YouTube. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Rock Vegas Puppet Show. And also on Twitter at Rock Vegas Puppet. Yeah, new episodes come every Sunday. Make sure you subscribe. and approved Doomsday Bunker, here is Ryan the Area Man! Hey dude. What's up, bro? So, a little while back on Rock Vegas, you had brought up this film called The Murder of Nicole Brown yeah. Simpson. And we had briefly talked, we watched a trailer, we briefly talked about... Um, because I thought it was a fictionalized, like, because you said originally it was a different take. Well, apparently the take of this movie is based on a true possibility, mm-hmm. like, or, or mm-hmm. something that actually existed, but, like, maybe exaggerated, fictionalized. Well, we started looking into it a little bit about this guy named Glenn Rogers. Yeah, it reminds me kind of like the whole Jeff Mudgett, my great-grandfather was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jack the Ripper kind of thing. Yeah, you know? we actually interviewed him. Yeah. And you can go to, it was one of those... Our first probably 10 or 15 think tanks. We yeah. actually interviewed Jeff Mudgeon, if you're curious about that. Anyways, um, so this Glenn Rogers thing is that he's the one that actually maybe murdered Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. Yeah. And then you've got, and then like in the film, because you watched it, mm-hmm. he, the FBI or whoever's asking him who did it or whatever, he says, Charlie. Well, then O.J. Simpson does his lost interview, like confession, what they're calling the lost confession interview. I think it was like a Dateline, CNN Dateline or something, or NBC's Dateline. I don't know, something like that, where he did this interview, and he's talking about, from his book and film that he did, If I Did It, which I still am fascinated why you would write that book. Do you have that book? I don't have that book. That's probably one I should own just to... Because it's so weird. Well, I didn't want to give him any profits. But I think through the civil suit of Ron Goldman's family, if you buy the book, the money actually goes to the Ron Goldman family. Oh, that's cool. So he doesn't actually get any money for it anyways. And I think they argued, like, O.J., like, people ask, like, why would you write that book? Like, it makes no sense. Like, if you didn't do it, why would you say, if I did do it? Right. Well, he's like, because he had spent so much money on his trial, it was like a way to make some money. Right, make it back. And then the Goldman sued him in a civil suit, and he was found guilty in the murder in the civil suit. So then the Goldman family, I think, I want, I, I could be wrong on that, but I know they when they sued him, they won. 
I'm pretty sure they're getting the profits from when those books sold. So originally that's why I wouldn't have bought it because I didn't want to give him any money. Mm -hmm. But now, whatever. So then this theory starts to form where maybe it was OJ and Glenn Rogers under the guise or the name. Maybe OJ didn't know Glenn Rogers. Maybe they were introduced to each other as Charlie. Right. So when OJ is doing If I Did It, and he keeps referencing Charlie, Charlie is Glenn Rogers. It's just weird. So anyways, there's this documentary, My Brother the Serial Killer. It's from Glenn Rogers' brother yeah. is behind this documentary. And I guess it's, it's, you know, Glenn Rogers is a serial killer. He had killed supposedly, like, what, 70-something people? He and- actually, I think he's only been arrested for one suspected of like 10 or 12 others and he admits to saying seven right but they haven't confirmed all of this and two of the ones that he claims he did was nicole brown no he doesn't claim it i thought it said that no he said no oh yeah and well in the movie the fictionalized movie he says no but i didn't all right yeah right there rogers boasts of killing city people including hollywood victims ron so he did say that he did yeah now before he was put to death because he's dead now oh he's dead now so it says soon to be executed in florida his brother reviews his confessions this movie came out in 2019 maybe he's not dead yet but he was set up to i guess we should start there yeah is homeboy dead (laughs) maybe he has not does not have a death yet no okay so glenn rogers is still alive but he's congratulations sir (laughs) so let's see here He was, all right, so he is a 30 suspected Rogers in the stabbing or strangling of an elderly man from Ohio in 1993 and four women in California, Mississippi, Florida, and Louisiana. He originally claimed the number of murders was closer to 70, but then recanted his statement, claiming he was joking and had not committed any murders. I wonder if his attorney advised him. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you're going to fucking walk that one back, bro, because you're just making it harder on me. Uh, Mark Peters, Sandra Gallagher, Linda Price, Tina Marie Cribs, Andy Giles Sutton. Those are the ones that they like have pinned on him. Those those five. So he's claimed seventy. He's for sure been found guilty of five, right? Um, let's get to the. Okay, Rogers' family stated that he had informed them that he had been working for Nicole in 1994 and that he had made verbal threats about her to them. Rogers later spoke to a criminal profiler about the Goldman Simpson murders, providing details about the crime and remarking that he had been hired by O.J. Simpson to steal a pair of earrings and potentially murder Nicole. Now, see, that piece I could totally buy. Because what did O.J. Simpson eventually get arrested again for? stealing or trying to get his stuff back. Right. So he, there's like a history of like, that's mine. Well, if he gave these earrings to Nicole and she was moving on, I could see him being stupid and petty. I want those earrings yeah. back. Yeah. And I, I'm hiring this fucking nut, j- nut job to uh, that's calling himself Charlie. And I could see it. Yeah. So that's like a weird plausibility to this. I mean... My original theory was that O.J. and his oldest son were behind it. Those were right, the two that was people. The original, yeah. 
I mean, and do we do we remember how old his son would be at that time? Oh, let's see. Let's look it up. He's like twenty something, right? I think so. O.J. Simpson's son. Is it? It would be Jason Simpson, I think. I want to say it was Justin. Cheat sheet? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, I'll look at Jason Simpson's troubled past. Maybe I were right on that. Jason was not Nicole's biological son, but rather the oldest son from OJ's marriage. Okay, so you're right on that. Jason has had a lot of issues in his childhood, to say the least. Well, yeah, his dad's a murderer. Right. Uh, or alleged. Abusing drugs has alcohol, cocaine, ecstasy since he was young teen. Not only that, but Jason had all his criminal history. It's for his, before his father got tangled up with the law. Okay. I mean, it doesn't mean shit. Right. Everybody does stupid shit when they're kids. But... Jason, okay, so in a business insider reported that a private investigator, William Deere, wrote a book called O.J. is Innocent and I Can Prove It, which concluded that Jason was the one who actually killed Nicole and Goldman. So that's where that theory comes from. And uh, It's an interesting fucking take. I can prove it. (laughs) But see, that's the thing. O.J. was found not guilty. Mm -hmm. Therefore, well, if he's not guilty, then who did it? So the, the case has to remain open. Yeah, it's still unsolved right now. So you've got fucking Glenn Rogers over here saying he did it. So why not put him on trial then? Right. Or do they not have enough to... And I mean, you would. I guess you don't want to just... Well, let's just put it on him. He's admitting it, so fuck it. Now yeah. we can close the case, case on closed, this. Yeah, yeah. But that's the other thing. You get these... These guys that are in prison, they know they're never getting out, and they'll just be like, yeah, I fucking shot JFK. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. just because notoriety, whatever. So, all these theories. One is that OJ did it by himself. One is that OJ and his son did it. I guess another one is now that OJ and Glenn Rogers did right. it. Then I, I guess you could also say maybe OJ wasn't there at all, and it was... Glenn Rogers and OJ's son. You could say maybe all three were there. Yeah. Uh, you you do have all these other things with the the people that drove up and or were kind of over there and saw him driving. Remember that eyewitness that saw him like driving at the, the stop sign right by there and was like almost hit them or mm-hmm. something. I don't. Know. It was. There's all these things. Now that's the problem. Is I'm not super fresh on all that. Right. At the time we had covered all that. Not at the time but like when we were doing right. that other show Last time we did, yeah. so i guess let's watch this thing yeah we'll stop when we need to and talk and comment and see what this uh documentary here provides in details i waited like 12 days trying to figure out what to do i i didn't want to turn my brother in I felt guilty about the papal don. I was utterly confused. I didn't know what to think or do. Welcome back, listeners. And Hamilton resident Glenn Edward Rogers is top of the news for all the wrong reasons. Glenn Edward Rogers is wanted by Los Angeles, California for a homicide. 
He's wanted in Jackson, Mississippi, in connection with a homicide. He's wanted in Bossier City, Louisiana, for another homicide. He's left a trail of mutilated victims. Come on! Let's go! Authorities warn that Rogers is armed and very dangerous. I came to a realization I wasn't turning in my brother. I was turning in a serial killer. My brother hadn't lived there for a long time. It's a nice mistake. In 1995, my brother Glenn Rogers was arrested in Kentucky, wanted for killing women across the country. Could it be my brother was really the worst serial killer America has ever seen? Well, no, because if, well, if he only did four, no. But 70? Well, it was five people, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was five. He said they haven't even one dude, four women. He said 70. He had murdered 70 women. Did you do this, Glenn? Did you kill those women, Glenn? One-on-one alone. At the jail, you interview me. Did you kill the women? At the jail, you interview me. You look like Zach Galifianakis. real killer mm-hmm. behind America's most sensational crime. The murder of Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown Simpson. Are you a suspect? OJ, are you a suspect? Nationally known forensic scientist Henry Lee identified a second set of shoe prints. What could be a mystery murderer? It just didn't fit. There had to be more than one person. Now, Glenn told me when he called, she guess who I'm partying with, uh, Nicole Simpson. Actually, what he told me, says, they got money, they're well off, and I'm taking her down. Wow. My brother is killing dozens of people, and I'm the only one who knows it. If I don't say something, I am just as responsible If Glenn ever gets an opportunity to watch this, I'd like to know I really did love him. I don't want. When would he ever get to watch that? Though? I don't know what else. Yeah. Well, you know, they get movie nights <laughs> in jail. <laughs> We're gonna all watch this tonight. You think they do that? They sit and watch documentaries from each person that's like a, I don't know, substantial like criminal that's had one made. I doubt it. Well, he's on he's on death row, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll let him in his last wish. While he's eating his last meal. Yeah. On some popcorn, some goobers, and my brother's movie. <laughs> I could go over some popcorn right now. When I, I see Glenn I as a baby, some. I, don't, I not just down here, wonder though. what went wrong, what happened to him. You know, he's just a, a little innocent child to grow up to be a monster, so they say, and kill people. I don't know what happened. I think you either go one way or you go to the other. You get filled with love or you get filled with hate and anger. It's what you get filled with first. If you're cared for and loved and encouraged, then you're going to turn out a good person. If you're if you're beaten, tortured, starved, and deprived, you're going to turn out like an animal. So you're saying that's what happened to you guys? Why weren't you that way then? You know? True. I don't buy it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't treated the same way. I wonder how many years apart they are. My name is Sue Rogers, and I'm the oldest child, and Glenn Rogers is my brother. My mother's name is Edna May. 
she was always in the church, a full gospel Pentecostal. And they used to sing on the radio. And she was brought up real strict. You know, she couldn't wear pants or shorts. She had to wear skirts real long and no makeup. And they went to church like three or four times a week. My father had just got out of the military. There's going to be an ad, so I had to turn that shit down so I can skip it. I didn't even see the yellow marks on there. Usually you see they're, they're where the ads are going to be. Yeah, they pop Hit them, huh? Fuckers. Oh, my mom said he was the most gorgeous man she'd ever laid her eyes on. She wondered why he would pick her, because he could have anybody he wanted. But she was beautiful, too. Well, my name's Clay Rogers. I'm the exact middle child. There's three oh, older no, and there's three child. younger. Claude Rogers was my dad. Born in uh, Lee County, Kentucky. So Glenn's the youngest. And uh, the big thing right? down there was uh, moonshine. Maybe. Because my well, grandma, the older mom sister, bringing alcohol down. He's the middle, so Glenn's got to be the youngest. Mm-hmm. He's at three All above and three behind him. There's seven kids. Oh, I was only three. My dad, Claude, was a hard drinking, moonshine making, uh, gun playing man. When he, this is where they used to keep the still where we made, uh, they made the moonshine at. And uh, when my dad married my mom at a very young age, she was a church going woman. But how he was, he decided right then and there when they met that she wouldn't be going to church anymore. <laughs> no more church. They did the best they could do. They're, you know, they're not perfect. Dad drank a lot. Uh, Mom was scared of him because he would beat her all the time. And she, we all had to be quiet or go upstairs so he don't see us to make him mad or something. So he wouldn't jump on her and he would tear the house up. Back then, you had to go to a, a judge and to get permission to have your tubes tied so you don't have any more children. And Mom and Dad That's went crazy. in front of a judge to ask him that, and they already had five kids. And uh, he said, no, it, your life's not in danger. So the next child born was Glenn. So he was the sixth child. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? Huh? <laughs> At Glenn's birth, I think it was the worst possible time. Uh, Dad lost his job due to his drinking, so we had to move. And that was the only house that would rent to somebody with seven kids. And Mom had to tell him we only had four. <laughs> it's the only house we could afford. I can remember eating oatmeal, government oatmeal, for three years, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You're hungry, you yeah. steal something at somebody's house. The police didn't, you know, when we got out there and got in trouble, what, they took us to a nice place and gave us soda pop and potato chips and took us to a safe place to sleep, and there was no deterrent. Nobody was hurting you. You got it's hurt when you went word. home. <laughs> well, that's in a normal childhood. You know? That's kind of like it is with a lot of criminals. Like When they go to prison, they get used to that lifestyle. They know they've got three meals a day. Yeah, three hats and a cot, baby. They always got a place to see, uh, sleep. There's, I mean, there's... It becomes a way of life. Then when they come out, they realize, well, in order to eat, I got to get a job. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to do that before. I got to eat. I got nowhere to sleep. It's like 
and there's so many variables. Where in prison, there's only certain things that could possibly happen. Right. The craziest thing that could happen is somebody's going to come at you and try and kill you. I mean, it could happen out in the world, but you don't. There's you're in a bubble in prison, right? And jail. So that's why a lot of guys will get out after being in there for so long and in, do something so they can get back in. Yep. You know what I mean? It's it's a weird thing. And that that becomes a societal, like, issue. Like, yeah, it becomes less about rehabilitation and more about a way of life now. You know? Yeah, and it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. You know, it needs to be like a. But I mean, well, funding. We need more money. It's it's frustrating. Yeah. But that's a whole other jag. So right. let's get back to this. Dad liked to shoot a gun and target practice, shooting our house up and putting it to my mom's head uh, just was scary. The police didn't scare us, so we weren't worried about committing any kind of crimes, and it kind of escalated from there because we got so good at sneaking in and out to get food that it was... Hang on. Sorry. I had to pause it again. I am always so fascinated. Everybody has... Home videos of, like, the weirdest random things. Like, they just happen to have him drinking his fucking bottle of whatever booze, holding the gun and all. I mean, you wouldn't film that in a home video. Why does everybody have home videos? I have no home videos when I was a kid. I have some. Not many. Like, in 25 years, Dave, I want to make a documentary on you. I'm going to go... Dig out a, a box from your storage unit or whatever that has these home videos that your mom or dad uses a big-ass camcorder filming. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put together this fucking thing. I mean, who in the fuck has it? I mean, I'm not I'm not talking about, like, current-day kids. No, I know. Because now everything's filmed. But, right. like, back in the 80s or 70s, not everybody was, I don't know. It just seems weird that, not only that but you watch these and they all have home videos. And they're, they're poor as fuck. You yeah, know, but, but they have a but home gotta, video. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. seems... I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, you're broke as a joke, but yet you got enough money to afford a fucking camcorder? Mm-hmm. They weren't cheap. No. Well, and that that there was probably like an 8mm fucking camera, too. Like old school shit, like a reel-to-reel type shit. But it wasn't a thing. I mean, people... It existed, but it wasn't like everybody on the block had right, one. Right, So why does so many people have these? You you know I mean I'm talking like you watch American Idol, mm-hmm. like when it first happened and they got the one guy that's 45 years old but they're showing his tape when he was a kid in the early seven or 80s, right. and all these videos of him singing in the living room it's like I, there's nothing of me yeah it's like I didn't exist before a certain time yeah you just you just came out this but, way but these <laughs> every other motherfucker in the world apparently as long as you're a serial killer or you're a uh, famous person, you've got home videos. Like, uh, it, it, I'm I'm not saying there's a conspiracy here, but it's kind of strange that only no, certain people have these all the all this footage. We've seen in the first eight minutes what would appear to be several different videos because mm-hmm. they're showing like three seconds here, three seconds there. Mm-hmm. But these are taken in different locations, different spots, different hairdos, different, different times, years, different yeah. ages. Yeah. So you've been filmed pretty much your whole life on camcorder in the 70s 80s like 
Tired of believing. Right? When was he? When was he born? Sixty-two. So we're talking early seventies through the eighties. Well, you're just rocking a fucking that, camcorder. That right there, he was what seven or eight years old. So that we're talking sixty-nine, seventy. Yeah, you know, late sixties, all the seventies, and into yeah. the eighties, probably. Yeah. I'm not buying it, dude. Something strange about that to me. I don't. I just don't understand how all these people have all these home videos. Yeah. It's weird, right? No, I agree. It is very strange. Nobody seems to think about shit like that, but it doesn't make sense. Everything I watch when you watch this shit has these people that are not famous whatsoever, or, or, or like you wouldn't know. Or is this set up? Is it is it one of these things? I guess what I'm it's a deeper question of con, in the conspiracy that I'm presenting is is it predetermined early on that certain people will be famous for killing a bunch of people, certain people will be famous for singing, so we have to make sure we get those home videos like it's like inserted to. or something somehow. It's possible. Why does it? How else is that? possible a broke ass family doesn't have a fucking pot to piss and they're eating goddamn oatmeal they're stealing food yeah stealing food but they've got enough money for a camcorder and they're just going to film everything so we can pull thousands of hours of footage i don't that does not add up to me something is off about this why has nobody ever fucking brought this up it's a good question. with anything it's a good question it's a natural escalation to become a burglar or a thief because you got so sneaky and so quiet and so discreet about it, and you were so young, nobody even paid any attention to you. You could take and do whatever you wanted. I was about 11 years old. Make it full Glenn was about eight when I took him on one of his first burglaries. The blue house on the corner is very important because the first time in my life where I made a conscious decision to commit a crime and I took my brother Glenn with me. We ended up almost being caught and jumped off the roof. We got away at that time. Within a couple of days later, me and Glenn were in the park. Glenn hollered at me and says, I'll be right back. Didn't know what he was doing, but he went right into that house with a lady in the yard hanging up laundry. Went in and took her money, came back out the front door and over to the park to me. That's the first time that I realized that he was willing to go to much more extreme than I was. Clay was using him, breaking into places and using Glenn to go in. He was smaller, plus if he got caught, he was a juvenile, you know, and he wouldn't go to prison or jail. He did what I told him to do when we were going through this stage, okay? He was younger, <laughs> so I was kind of protecting him, and... He would share bad things with me, so there was a bond there. What I've been doing is going through the microfiche at the libraries and looking up old stories about us, like uh, this uh, 100 burglaries in 90 days that uh, we were arrested for back in 1973, 74, and 75. The judge branded me the ringleader, so I got sent to reform school, then I got shipped off to the Army when I turned 17. Glenn spent his teens going in and out of Ohio's juvenile prison system. Glenn was uh, sentenced to TICO, which was a reform school for juvenile offenders. 
And uh, while he was out there, a couple of the guards, I've seen evidence of it, were sexually molesting him while he was there. I even seen one of the notes that the guard had sent back with his mail to his cell. Uh, get get back to your cell, get it up, I'll be there in a minute. Jesus. Wow. Forward. Nobody cares for you on the outside. Nobody cares about you on the inside. You know, you're going through hell. So when you get out of that situation, I went up and got him. Hey, do you think he's a, a can be a normal person by then? This is a sad state of affairs. See, now when he's in his teens, we don't have video of that. Well, he was we in and still out still of fucking see. jail the whole time. True, 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 true. But we had video up till he got when his Glenn teens before he went to jail. School, what Glenn needed, actually, was a home, somebody to care for him. He needed to find love. Glenn just got out of reform school. And one of his friends told him that a girl that he used to see and like was in the hospital, that she'd had a baby, and that they won't let her out of the hospital because she has no address or nowhere to go with the baby. So Glenn went up there, and next thing I know, he come to the door with Debbie and a little baby. He loved Debbie. He loved the baby. It wasn't his. He adopted it legally. That's crazy. Glenn always wanted to be a good person, and he wanted to have good things, and he wanted somebody to say, look, look at what I've done. Look at how I've turned out. But everything that he touched turned bad. He was very jealous. He didn't trust Debbie at all. She didn't do anything, but he just didn't trust women. Glenn married Debbie in 1980, and they soon had a second baby of their own. But their marriage was no bed of roses. <laughs> she had to be at the house, taking care of the kids, not at the store. If, if she variated in any way from whatever plan that was that day, then uh, uh, she would get beaten. Well, he beat Debbie, you know, put her in a hospital. So that was the first that I ever heard he was violent with the women. Well, look, he's seen it in his own home, and the mother stayed there for over 50 years. Well, how else is he supposed to take it? I guess you got to beat him to keep him to stick around 50 years. Oh. Make note of that. After Glenn <laughs> beat is that what I'm doing wrong? It looked no. like he was going to be arrested. Glenn took off to California. Debbie ended up with the kids and a divorce. Glenn stayed in Los Angeles, still wanting to make a family of his own. He met another girl, her name's Kathy, and they had one child aboard. Some more home video. <laughs> but that marriage he's didn't out work of jail, out either. So he's good. I don't get it. A lot of people split up. A lot of people get divorces and have kids. But if you take a certain kind of person that this is their life and it means everything to them, everything, their being, the reason for getting up in the morning, and you just take it from them. You know what I mean? Of course, not only are you going to be angry, nowhere to turn, but eventually you're backed into a corner and an act of violence come out. I've been back to the corner lots After of times. I've never once thought to kill somebody. Our dad yeah, I mean. Claude got sick and died. 
Well, we weren't Vietnam as a child. Glenn started to unravel sure, sure. even more. He was doing drugs, getting arrested a lot, and traveling across the country when he wasn't in jail. I mean, I am confused that they, all seven kids had the same mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Only one turned out to be a serial killer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming they're all were beaten. Where Where are the other four kids? Yeah, because we're only hearing them from three, or, well, well two. Te- yeah, we know where Glenn's at. But, we know or, where Glenn is. W- where are the other ones? Yeah, well, they didn't want to be part of the show. It could be, could be. I mean, maybe they're all serial killers and two, I don't... Maybe Glenn killed them all. Well, it's, it's weird. Yeah. I'm still... I'm having a hard time with how everybody just has all these home videos. I'm in a f- fucking time where cameras are probably fucking $2,000, $4,000. Well, look at how even for those shitty ones. The, yeah, I'm saying look at the fucking quality of the video here. I mean, they're not great home videos, but nobody's are from the fucking 70s and 80s. But just everybody had one. I, I, that's what I don't get. Yeah. Like you, you happen to do something that you're famous for now, whether it be good or bad, and you just happen to have thousands of hours of home video footage. Yet you were broke ass poor. Right. That's fascinating to me. There's something to this, and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. And when he came back home to Hamblin, he'd be more violent, taking more risk and more chances. This is a sketch of an armed robber uh, that robbed a gas station down the street from my sister's house with a steak knife, a butcher knife. Well, it was... Uh, my sister showed me the same newspaper article. She was going to lose her home or be evicted, and Glenn went out and robbed this gas station store and brought her the money back to save the house. The significance of him taking a weapon is he was not leaving without the money. If the person did not cooperate with him at that time, Glenn would have probably killed him. This other article is from the first time that Glenn had got in trouble and the police offered him a way out. It was uh, 21 people were indicted on drug charges in one night and all charges were dropped on Glenn, which uh, taught him that he could get away with doing anything he wanted as long as he cooperated with the police on the other side. It's an interesting thought process. Well, I've got to know him pretty well. The, the, the people in my unit knew him pretty well. Glenn was a really smooth talker. Uh, he, he was a likable guy. He was a drug user himself, so a lot of people had, had sold to him in the past. Glenn was the one that approached the narcotic unit wanting, wanting to be able to work undercover. Glenn worked with a lot of different agencies, and I think a lot of law enforcement agencies may have provided some little training there that helped him kind of get out of some of the problems that he was in that uh, maybe had he not seen all that, he would have not known how to do it. Glenn was using the police as much as they were using him. No matter what you're doing out there in the street, no matter what kind of dirt you're doing, if every time the law picks you up, they let you go, in order to work for them, you start to thinking you can get away with anything, even murder. Yeah, makes sense. Glenn played both sides of the law for 10 years. The cops never had a clue about the demons dwelling inside my brother. When uh, me and Glenn were young, 
I had gotten hold of a deck of tarot cards, and we played with them a great deal. One night in Wayne Park, up the street from here, the cards kept telling a bad story. The Tower of Destruction over and over again, the death card, terrible things that were going to happen to us. Both was very young. We'd grown up superstitious kids. We'd never gone to church, but the old-time religion we'd come from found us anyway. One time, Glenn and I got taken to the ceremony of the sin <laughs> where we saw a man eat food off a dead body to rid the deceased of their sins. We got to know about serpents, about Satan, demons. Oh, Lord, is in him. See, that's a but whole other thing we need to talk about. The, these people that fake feel the Lord in them? Yeah, they go fucking crazy and shake yeah. around and jump and convulse yeah. and shit. And, or like the, you got the fucking weird guy that he takes his, his suit coat jacket and he, he waves it like at a group of people and they all fall backwards mm -hmm. because the Lord just hit him. Yeah. Come on. It's a scam. It's all of that is. It's all a show. What's that movie with Steve Martin where they... Leap of Faith. Leap of Faith. It's exactly what it is. All of it. Yeah. It's crazy. But yet people buy into it, dude. Oh, God, they fucking hook We grew up robbing. It's weird. Maybe it ain't so surprising that when the chance came our way in our 20s, we were tempted to call up a demon for ourselves. We had met a person all tattooed and everything, and they're the ones that told us this saying. It sounds kind of childish, mm -hmm. right? We'd had a couple beers, so we just start, we start chanting this, right? And he starts chanting it. It was like it uncontrolled, but it kept coming faster, faster, and faster. It's like you can't shut up, right? And then all at once you felt it was like claws, insect, tentacle claws that clawed in your mouth, down your throat, and inside you, and you could feel it. And all of a sudden, it just stopped. Hmm. I asked him about, did you feel that crawl in your throat? Glenn told me that he wasn't worried about the demon that came in because he figured the one that was already there would take care of it. Calling up that demon gave me my first clue that Glenn really did believe something evil lived inside him. We both did. Looking back, it was a sign that Glenn had bad mental problems and no one was giving him help. The danger signs were there in 1992 when Glenn was back in Hamilton and living with a new girlfriend. I had just done six months in jail. Glenn had picked me up from the Greyhound bus station in Cincinnati after I'd gotten out. He drove me to a trailer where he was staying with that cockatiel girl that had all these birds. Uh, and he oh. talked terrible about the <laughs> boy. I thought he was on a cocktail waitress. Yeah. in the bedroom in the front. And I'm in the living room looking at the birds, drinking a few beers. And, and uh, Glenn's talking. Uh, she's so disgusted. I can't stand this. I said, well, let's just go. So then uh, Glenn says, no. And he walked into the kitchen, and when he came back out, he had a knife the size of this in his hand. He looked right at me, and he told me, I'm going to stick her. I'd just done six months in jail, 
Okay, I had no intentions of going back for any reason. And when I saw him come out with that, I knew Glenn, Glenn was on the edge right then. You could tell on his face, I know him. When he came out with that, I told him no. He said, no, I'm going to stick her. I'm, I'm going to kill her. I said, no, we're out of here. On the way, he said, I should have went ahead and killed her. I might as well have got her. I've done about 50 so far. Wow. I mean, that sounds really bad right now, but I actually laughed because I didn't blame him like right. I thought he was just spouting off them, throwing a temper tantrum. And I figured it'd be better to get on the road. As long as you're moving and something to do, you know, you're not thinking about the things that are bothering you so much. So I, I got him, took a road. So real quick, I think it's something we need to discuss. At that point, he's claiming 50. Is it, now are we actually thinking that he, let's just say, maybe he had killed 50 people already, roughly. Mm-hmm. Or was he exaggerating, killed five and was really landed on thick with the mm-hmm. exaggeration? Or did he want to have killed 50 people at that point, but didn't, hadn't really killed anybody? Well, and that's weird to me, because if you read, like the, whatever it was, the Wikipedia where we read, said that uh, he claimed he did 70 and then he backtracked and said he was just joking. And did none. And did none. So why would he tell his brother 50? Is he joking with his brother? Right, but this is, and this was quite a bit before. Yeah, way before. Yeah, yeah so it's kind of weird. Like, Yeah, so I think I think you're right with what you had said with the lawyers. Like, no, nah, dude, you need to fucking recant that statement. So I think he probably may have already done 50 at that point. That's uh, it's pretty crazy. It's a lot of fucking people. But he'd already been back and forth from California and shit, too. So, and traveled the world, he said. So right. not the world, but the United States. Hmm. Road trip and we got busy. Weird song. <laughs> Glenn and I, we're hustlers and con men on these road trips, and we did many different things. Uh, hustling the bars at night. And we were doing burglaries during the day between 10 and 2. Glenn didn't worry about getting caught. He said, I'll just stick them. And I said, no, we don't stick. We don't hurt nobody. You don't have to hurt somebody to make some money. Yeah, that's his go-to. Fuck, I'll just kill him. <laughs> that winter, we headed south. It's pretty crazy. Crossing one state line after another. He's so quick to just we had to jump resort to that. And we he probably did at this point. You know. Or is this a narrative the brothers tell me? All that trip, I'd heard Glenn mouth off about killing. Then I saw blood. I was at a motel in Valdosta, Georgia. Me and my brother Glenn were staying there. He had left the night before after I'd gotten drunk and passed out. He come in and woke me up about 6.30 in the morning, maybe even earlier, it was still dark. He was covered in blood, clothes all torn up. Things were all over the uh, motel room, stolen tools, jewelry, everything. I told him to get in the bathroom, get them clothes off, and get cleaned up that we had to get out of. The less willing I was to cross the line in violence, the more he adamantly wanted to cross the line. It was like he knew I was didn't want to do it, it like I was afraid to do it. And he was wanted to show me, look, I can do that. When Glenn got back after that road trip, 
He was more violent and totally out of control. I split from Glenn, got a day job, and tried to go straight. Somebody was gay before that. <laughs> Different kind of straight. When I worked at the donut shop in Covington, Kentucky, one evening late at night, Glenn came to my house, uh, driving a car, yelling up the window for me to come down because he said he had someone for me to meet. When I got down to the car, he opened the trunk, and there was a body of a dead woman in the trunk. Uh, of course, he kind of freaked me out a lot. I told him to get that thing out of here. That's not the first time or the second time that he had done that. He's come to, he's come to my house and told me that he's had a body in the, in the trunk. I got one in a duffel bag. Help me get rid of this thing. It's too heavy. You know, but I, you don't pay no attention. You don't go with him. But after the first time that I'd seen one, I sure don't go with him. And then you're caught in a dilemma. Do I call the police? Do, do you call your mom? Who, who do you call? Call mom on you, man. Hmm. That's an interesting dilemma to be in. Do you turn your brother in? or? I certainly At the would. end of wow. 1993, me and my brother Glenn had been cut tobacco in Kentucky when I got then. into a fight and went to jail for a couple of months. When I got out... Hang on, let's jump into that for a second. <laughs> Obviously... One sibling you don't like, one sibling you do. Let's say your sister shows up. Dave, I just fucking, I got this body in the trunk. What am I going to do? Pretty sure you're not turning her in. Nope. So, you know what I mean? No, I help her. You're, you're trying to figure out what the fuck you're doing with this body now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> the other way around, you'd be like, sound the alarm. Finally, we can get rid of him. Yeah, I would be calling so, the five zero, and then my dad afterwards. <laughs> yeah, and... So Actually, that's I, I, I mean. probably take some p- video of it first, home video of it. Yeah, yeah, you got to have the home video. <laughs> I mean, it's, everybody just needs to walk around with a home fucking video camera. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, now you get your phones. So nowadays, there it makes sense. Kids nowadays will have all this, but I'm still not buying the back yeah. in the '70s and '80s, late '60s even. Um, so you know, I'd hate to be in his dilemma because he's also a piece of shit. I mean, this guy's <laughs> clearly a piece of shit, just yeah. like his brother, yeah. but his brother's a little worse. You know, they're both criminals. Yeah, oh yeah. And lifetime criminals. They're lifers. And he doesn't want to rat on his brother, but he knows it's wrong. But he's still a piece of shit too. Yeah, because he should be realistically, he should be tried as an accomplice then, because he knew and did yeah. nothing. So all those deaths after the fact should all be on him too. Kind of, yeah, as an accomplice for sure. Mm-hmm. Out, I headed for the hills to our old family farm. I went to uh, the cabin up here to stay for a few days, and uh, I noticed that all the furniture in the cabin had been thrown into the back room. And uh, I walked to the back room over here, and I started pulling things out, you know, to get some cushions together and some place to sit, because I planned on staying a few days. Well, I reached down to grab this blue blanket and pull it out of the way, and as I did so, an arm came out of the side. (laughs) Shocked me to death. I wasn't sure who it was or how it got there. All I know is I wasn't going to be the last person to leave this cabin with a dead person in the back room. And as I was leaving, on this wall written here was a message that said, the shit is going to hit the fan. Get out of here. I knew it was Glenn that had left the message because he had signed it with my dad's shot glass, and only he would have done that. After I'd found the body, I'd waited like 12 days trying to figure out what to do. 
I didn't want to turn my brother in. I even indulged in the idea of going down there and moving the body myself and disposing of it. Glenn was my partner in crime for many, many years, and he was the closest person in my family that there ever was. I was in turmoil. No matter what he'd done, he was still my brother. I soon found out that body belonged to Mark Peters. Mark was a friend of my mom. To help my mom out, Mark had offered Glenn a place to stay in his own home. Soon after Glenn moved in, Mark went missing. Just gonna stick him. Yeah. The detective looking for him was Glenn's old contact at the Hamilton police, Tom Kilgore. At that time, what happened is I came across my desk a report where a Mr. Mark Peters, who lived in the Linnewall area of our city, had disappeared. We did a lot of newspaper articles and stories about Mr. Peters. There was all types of public service announcements trying to have people come forward and talk to us about any information they had about Mark. Now, I had two choices. Turn my brother in or cross that line and join him. I think one of the reasons why I didn't become a serial killer and uh, took a different path is because of the tattoos that I had put on my body. That's why you're not a serial killer, Dave. You have yeah. tattoos. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just going to say. I thought about it, but then I got tattoos on my eye. I can't do it now. Now, many years ago, there was an incident in my life where uh, I hurt somebody real bad and I could have killed them. Uh, a friend of mine done tattoos. I had him put a 13-inch dragon on my right arm that represents the great dragon, the serpent from the Old Testament, the devil, evil. I'd had a tear put on my left arm. It's a ball of fire with a demon coming out of it. That's to remind me of what happens when this takes over. And the only outcome once this happens is death. And that's a constant reminder every time I look in the mirror that that's exactly what happens every time this gets in control of somebody's life. <laughs> My brother had a tattoo of his uh, wife, Debbie, on his hand, but it, all it did was remind him constantly of what he's lost, his kids, his wife, his house. So it was real easy to follow uh, evil. He followed it until that was, uh, that was too powerful, that was all he had. It's very easy to get lost down the road of temptation and evil because they'll suck you in like, the, like it's heaven there. Well, I knew Mark Peters. I liked him. I'd made a conscious decision that I didn't want to walk down this road anymore. So I called Detective Kilgore, and he told me to come in and give him a statement. Clay had a, an extensive criminal background, had been in a lot of trouble over the years. I was familiar with him, and I was a little dubious about the information he would provide. But in this particular case, you know, uh, we had no other leads, and we felt it was important that we talk to him. 
Well, when we walked up to the cabin, some of the, the officers there with us began a systematic search when they started moving some of the debris. And Hey, are we about to get yeah, got a fucker. another fucking ad? See, they just pop up, dude. They yeah, no warning weird. or anything. It's weird because they used to they in remember. the house, yeah. and I remember them seeing a foot stick out of this blue blanket. And at that point in time, I thought, uh, "We have found Mr. Peters." No, you found his foot. <laughs> Got to look at his whole body first. Over the years, Clay and Glenn were very close. What I thought was extraordinary about it, his brother led us to the crime scene. This is the first time in my life where I felt I was doing something that was so right that I actually felt good inside. I came to a realization that uh, I wasn't turning in my brother. I was turning in a serial killer. My brother hadn't lived there for a long time. But Glenn was now far from Kentucky. He'd gone back to California, and soon he was calling me saying he was hanging out with Hollywood types like Nicole Simpson. In January 1994, an earthquake rocked Los Angeles. About the time the quake hit, my brother Glenn showed up in town. I was working in Los Angeles at the time. The Northridge earthquake hit earlier that year, and I was working for a company doing earthquake damage. A few months later, Glenn risked coming back home, even though Ohio police wanted him for questioning. In 1994, Glenn was living in L.A., and he came back to Hamilton for a visit, and that's why I decided to have a cookout and have my family over. He told me that he'd met this beautiful girl out in California, and her name was Nicole, and said that he'd done work for her in her house, and said that they'd went out a couple times for drinks, and he said, you know, Sean, my daughter, and her look so much alike. And he said, she's married to this football player. See, he don't know much about sports, and he <laughs> said, this football player, and he's black. He's famous, but I don't remember his name. He just remembered Nicole. I'm in my mother's house at this time, and they're already looking for Glenn. The phone rings, and I talk to him, and he asked me, she guess who I'm partying with, Nicole Simpson. I'm me. I, nobody knew who that was. I thought, well, who's that, Bart Simpson's sister? I mean, just joking. <laughs> he said, no, that's when he told me that that, that was O.J. Simpson's wife. Actually, what he told me, he says, they got money, they're well off, and I'm taking her down. of a woman reported to be Nicole Brown Simpson, ex-wife of football star O.J. Simpson, and a man identified as Ronald Goldman were found early this morning. Further reports from Los Angeles say the case is being treated as a homicide. I mean, they and were I stabbed at us. And I said, they could that's who Glenn was telling me about. Well, I mean, obviously there's a narrative being portrayed here, but the brother's saying he always wanted to stick them. Mm -hmm. Nicole and Ron were killed with knife wounds, so... Yeah. Uh, you're selling me on it. 
detectives from the Los Angeles Police Department sought and obtained a warrant for the arrest of O.J. Simpson, charging him with the murders of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Lyle Goldman. There's just too many oddities with O.J., though. I need those explained to me. I read how the L.A. District Attorney charged O.J. with the murders. I believed my brother was involved. But who... Like, the whole, like, okay... Obviously, we'll probably get to it. And I keep pausing. It's probably annoying to people. But, uh, yeah, OJ had to have been involved in a very, very close capacity here well, with this because it's the only way you can explain the I'm going to kill myself on the back of the Bronco on the chase, mm-hmm. uh, all the other oddities that, you know, his footprints being there with those shoes that only eight people had. Nobody else was around there with those shoes, the the glove. You know, obviously, there's all the issues with the glove, and if it don't fit, must quit and all this right. bullshit. But <clears throat> there's all these other things. O.J. had to have been there in some respect with maybe this guy. That's entirely possible. I'm, I'm Well, I could, I could see him bumping into that guy, you know, uh, because according to the movie... Um, and I don't know how much this is true, but I guess OJ was stalking her a lot and like would show up mm-hmm. a lot and all well, that shit. Well, that's clear from the 911 calls and shit. Okay, so he did do that. So it, it's very possible if this Glendu was actually doing work next to Nicole's house, OJ would bump into him, meet him, and then realize he's a grifter. And they could go out to drinks and talk, and he could tell him, yeah, I fucking killed people. He could have paid him. You know, and, and that's why he was there. And maybe he went there because he changed his mind. He's like, oh, fuck, I don't want to kill her anymore. Just scare her. But buddy, guy, time he got there it was too late, and that's when he blacked out and took the knife or whatever the fuck. I don't know. There's a lot that mm-hmm. could happen. Yeah, you know, it seems a little more plausible though that you know, and even maybe yeah, that scenario. Maybe even OJ wrestled Glenn a little bit, mm-hmm. and that's how he got the cut. Yeah, on his hand. Remember, he had that mm-hmm. cut, mm-hmm. and everybody always was like, "Oh, he cut because he was doing the fucking." Yeah, maybe. I mean, not that. He was, see, it's just weird. But you know, OJ's guilty of something here. Yes. In some sort of accomplice, maybe, as opposed to being the one behind it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I kind of buy the, I, I think it may, the, what makes a little more sense is go in and, you know, get the fucking jewelry, right. earrings or whatever, because right. that's kind of the shit that OJ's now known for. Yeah. I want that shit back. It's mm-hmm. mine. I paid all this money. I got and, money and now, now you're gonna fucking leave me for this fucking waiter douche. Mm-hmm. I want those earrings back. Stupid petty right. shit. Right. I'm gonna have this fucking piece of shit over here go and get it, Charlie. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Who the hell was gonna listen to me? Meanwhile, investigators for the defense found signs that pointed in Glenn's direction. This is where the murder happened. Straight across the street was Nicole's place. The most significant witness in the whole case was Tom Lang. Lived down the street, he came up to this corner, started to walk across the street, gave a verbal command to his dog, and he spotted Nicole Simpson. He locked eyes, as his words, he locked eyes with her, and then went that way. He also noticed a man in an angry stance right in front of her gate, um... And he described that person as either white, Asian, or Hispanic, but definitely not African-American. 
he saw a white Ford F-350 vehicle parked in the street. It would be my wish to find out who it was that was driving that Ford F-350. So we got to know if Glenn Letters owned one of those. Letters stubs show that Glenn was living in Hollywood and working for a company fixing houses and painting across the city. As a painter, Glenn had access to a white pickup truck, just like the one there seen at Nicole's yeah. place. Interesting. And there were more clues tying Glenn to the murder. We felt throughout the criminal case and to this day that that killer came from the world of Faye Resnick. Faye Resnick was a friend of Nicole's. Faye Resnick was a, a drug user, a drug abuser, uh, a drug addict that had gone into treatment. She hung with people from a very dark world. Glenn told me that he had set up Faye Redmond and Nicole Simpson, and they met him at a Van Nuys nightclub. He set him up to rob him. Whether or not he was going to kill him or not, I don't know. He expected just the two girls to be there. But I guess that Ron Goldman showed up. At the time, I had my suspicions, but I didn't know how he did it or if he really was the killer. It'd be years before Glenn would say what really happened. After the Nicole Simpson murder, Glenn laid low in Los Angeles, California. In September of 1995, he was living in the suburb of Van Nuys. He was using a fake name to cover his past. Charlie, come on, Charlie. He'd been hanging out at the local bars trying to meet women when he zeroed in on a 34-year-old mother, Sandra Gallagher. Sandra Gallagher had gone to this bar because she had won a lottery ticket. She had won $1,200, I think it was, and she went out to celebrate. While there, she was introduced to Glenn Rogers, a mutual friend, and she ended up giving him a ride home. It was horrendous. Sandra Gallagher was found in a truck which had been parked in a parking lot of convalescent hospital, and the truck had been set on fire. She had been strangled, and because of the fire, pretty badly incinerated. After figuring out who the body was, police traced Sandra to the bar she'd been at and found out she'd given Glenn a ride home. This man is a monster. Think about what happens when you strangle someone. You put your arms around their throat and you're looking at them and you're pressing tighter and tighter and tighter and you're watching that person gasping for breath and gasping for air. And then you finally gave that final snap and they die. That's a very, very up close. Is that how you do it? Kind of killing. Didn't know. I was, I was wondering. I read a couple of books. It wasn't that. We tried to locate him and we couldn't <laughs> locate weird. him. We didn't know where he was. Glenn had skipped town. He was heading out east, crossing state lines to keep out of reach of the L.A. police. He hit Jackson, Mississippi a few weeks before Halloween and took up at a carnival that was in town.
A few nights later, he met a pretty red-haired named Linda Price. Linda had two husbands that had died, uh, and then she had a boyfriend that had died. So three men in her family had died. And it was like Linda was just looking for, you know, the love of her life. She was so great. Says no, you don't just have all these people that die and you ain't a fucking suspect. Unless you're Clintons. I mean, Jesus Christ. She had two husbands that died and a boyfriend that died. I don't know how they died, and we could probably look into it, yeah. but there's something fishy about that just on itself. Mm-hmm. So. So which one is she, the blonde or the other one? The redhead. Didn't they just say redhead? They called it, that was the redhead. I can't remember. Redhead from the Ferris wheel there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sister, we all got together. She was my baby sister plus my best friend. I had a lot of cigarettes. We all went to the state fair here in Mississippi. Mississippi? Mm-hmm. Pig race. Yeah. Some dancing. Hell yeah. She was walking around the fair and that Glenn was behind her. Took a piece of her hair and said, that's the prettiest red hair I've ever saw. Said, you're beautiful. She said, look, Marilyn, said, what do you think about him? Said, ain't he good looking? I said, yeah, Linda, he is nice looking. Well, you know, to tell Linda that, it was like she was wanting that attention. And it seemed like he did give her that attention that she needed. She said, I think I met the right one this time. He's going to kill me instead of me killing him. (laughs) Three days later, they went and put in for apartment and put the apartment in Glenn and Linda's name, you know. And they lived there three weeks. Ooh, long relationship she's ever had. <laughs> yeah. Normally they die after two. <laughs> and he was uh, saying uh, that he had met in the co-sense and that he had actually worked in her apartment. I told Linda, I said, oh, Linda, he's picking at you. He's never met no no co-sense. I come in from work one day, and I went by the apartment, and he said, you're the bestest mama and grandmother I've ever saw. He said, you are so good. He said, I wish my mother was more like you. My brother was obsessed with mom and with women. He could charm ladies and went for women who looked just like mom. But when he got one, If she stirred up emotions that meant something to him, he'd flip at the slightest hint of being rejected, like a flashback to every rejection he'd felt from our mom in the past. I seen the mean side of him come out when we went to the bar Halloween night. Me and Lena went to the bathroom and was telling me something happens to me. Said, don't let him get by with it. I said, what do you mean if something happens to you, don't let him get by with it, Linda? was fixing to tell me something, and he got to banging on that bathroom door. He said, you open this door right now. You open this door. Don't you say a word. You open this door. He was just raging. He said, it's time for us to go. We got to go. He had a mean look on his face the whole time we was driving home. And uh, he got out of the vehicle, and he looked at me, and he said, you will be next. Well, you know, I didn't, you know, know what he meant by that. I had no idea, you know, he was going to, you know, kill my baby sister.
You know, all these pictures and video, why is there no pictures of him and Nicole together? If they actually well, went on a couple of dates, you'd think there'd be something. No, I don't think she was dating him. I think they were Well, he said out. they went on a couple. Well, they went to the restaurant or they went for drinks yeah, a couple of times or whatever. I don't take that as a date, though. Well, they went out. We'll just yeah. say that. But you would think that there'd be pictures. Well, yeah, that's the other thing I was thinking earlier is, like, once they produce a picture of them two together, like, hanging out at a bar setting, yeah. I'm totally buying that he was there. I don't know why you would, because she was what? They, she died in, what year did she die? 96, I think. Okay, so we're we're in 95. Yeah. So at this point, he had been with there, left. So he hasn't gotten back there yet. So maybe that's coming up. Maybe. But you'd think if they were like, I don't know, but maybe they weren't as close. I mean, do you take pictures with that? Uh, some guy working on your fucking neighbor's house? No, but she was, quote unquote, a celebrity, so if she was out and about, paparazzi yeah, would take a picture of her. Uh, Regardless maybe. of who she's with, right? Uh, yeah, I guess I was thinking more like, uh, them together, like them taking selfies type shit? No, I'm Or just... like, yeah, they have like, oh, here, we're having drinks and I, I got this fucking, uh, little, uh, Disposable camera. Hey, bartender, mm-hmm. take a picture of me and Nicole. Right, like right. talking to Nicole, but I could. See, I don't see him looking at celebrity though. No, I'm not. He didn't give a fuck him. about OJ. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about her as right. a celebrity. But there should be people out there taking hypothetically, pictures of her. maybe. You know what I mean, maybe. And maybe all the pictures because all the pictures we see of her are with OJ. Maybe it was more so the OJ side. Yeah, she wasn't know. really famous. It was because of him. Right. No, I know. But she didn't fact, really become super fucking famous until. After she got, she got axed, yeah, <laughs> but it was yeah, it was just OJ. It okay. was all about OJ. You don't really see her as a celebrity before that, yeah, or at, like well, obviously after, but right, right. you know, yeah. I don't know. I'm just curious. It could be coming though. Plus, she was fe- like, fucking friends with Chris Jenner. Yeah, but she wasn't anybody then, dude. Chris wasn't. No, oh. none of these people became famous until afterwards. Okay, right. besides OJ. Yeah. Like, nobody knew who Cato Kalen was, right. even though he was a uh, fucking, uh, what do you call it, extra actor, yeah. Yeah. shit like that. Like, none of these people are were known beforehand besides OJ. Where is and he nowadays? He still fucking does, he pops up on these, like, weird shows, really? like uh, like game shows, shit oh, like that, as, like, for... a celebrity, like yeah. a B-list or D-list, slow celebrity. <laughs> um Anyways, but yeah, ahead. it was OJ, and you would always see pictures of her with OJ. You never saw just pictures of her with Ron Goldman, even. Like, right. those don't even exist. Right. But then there's a whole lot of rumor that were those two even together, because the whole story is that she left her glasses at this restaurant, and he mm-hmm. was bringing them to her. Right. I do find that odd that you're close enough to this fucking waiter that he knew where you lived to bring you glasses if you weren't fucking him. Yeah. But then again, and, according to this guy, you're going out to drinks with this fucking construction worker working on your neighbor's house. Right. That's strange, too. Right. But maybe that's what Nicole was. She was just hanging out with well, all these fucking nobodies. If you go with the the movie version of what I watched recently, um, she ran with Ron. Like, they had a good friendship. He liked her. He wanted right. her. She didn't really reciprocate that, that type right. of well, love. Well, she's in the black cock. And... So, but they, so they went running together. I don't know if he lived close to her house or whatever. And then, um, she started sleeping with dude and she said she, cause she was seen as like a shrink 
or at least in the movie, she's seen a shrink, and she told the shrink she slept with him because she was doing it despite OJ, because OJ was, you know, strain or uh, following her and stalking her and shit, and she was just lonely. So this dude was being nice to her, so and she, slept with she just slept with him, according to the movie. Right. I don't know if he actually slept with her or not, but. Right. Huh. I received a call from our dispatch that a female body had been found in South Jackson. When I got there and was briefed by the patrol officer, I could tell by the way he acted and the way he looked, he was pale and ashen, that he had seen something that, that was very disturbing. I entered the apartment, which was very dimly lit. I shined my flashlight into the bathroom, and that's when I observed Linda Price in the bathtub. Uh, she had been stabbed several times in the chest, and her throat had been cut from ear to ear. Jesus. A washcloth had been placed on her face. Persons that kill, they don't like to see that death stare back at them, so they place some type of object to cover the face so they don't have to see the death stare. I don't mind the death stare when I, when I see it. You, know, just... you would edit that I out? I or... out later, Glenn got the <laughs> hell out of Mississippi and crossed the state line to Louisiana so local police couldn't he come runs after a lot. Then my sister Sue got a call from Glenn out of the blue. They'd been really close growing up. It was like early evening when phone rings, like, hello? And it was Glenn. He started talking to me and he scared me, his voice and his laugh. And, and it sounded like he was possessed. Like it wasn't Glenn. I knew it was Glenn, but he was something wrong with him. And then he's... You get a high when you kill, I think. It could be. Like, I, I've heard these, like, other shows and shit where these people, after they've done it, you get this, like, crazy adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, you could take it as, a, well, they're possessed. I think that's one That's one way to describe it, but it's not, yeah. I don't think that's, I mean, maybe. But I think it's like a, these endorphins. Like, if you, especially mm-hmm. if somebody that's done it a lot, they get off on it. Right. Not, like, sexually, but, like, they yeah, get some, off on, like, do, they though. get that, fu- well, there are ones that yeah. do, but more like a, you know. It's like a drug, the yeah. endorphins and shit, yeah. Yeah, it, like. He said, yeah, guess what I'm doing? I said, what? And I kept hearing this. And I said, what? And he said, I'm smacking these girls on their butt. And I said, Glenn, what are you talking about? And he said, they're dead, and I'm smacking them on their butt. And, and it freaked me out. And he was laughing, real evil. He said, I'm not going to turn myself in. It's too late. These women don't know who they're messing with. He said that uh, they haven't even scratched the surface. He said 70. He had murdered 70 women. And it would be, he said, you're going to start hearing about it soon. By the next night, he was at the point strip of at this point. So two years ago, it was 50. Looking for cheap men roughly. and pretty women. Now we're up to 70. So I wonder how many um, unsolved cases or falsely solved cases, if what he said is true, mm-hmm. and there's no exaggeration, it's about 70 now, maybe more, 
if you could go back and retrace all his steps and find all these unsolved murders of women in these places where he had been, you could probably equate to him. Would you be able to fucking track the 70, possibly? It's possible, yeah. Why haven't they done this? I mean, it seems like something you would fucking tackle, you know, when you've got, even if he walks it back later Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. I think that's a pertinent thing. I would retrace all his steps as best as you can and then start looking in all those towns. And And they're doing it for you. They're telling you where he's at and what time. Yeah. I mean, it should be fucking pretty easy to just, well, maybe not. Maybe it's not as easy as I would think. But, like, if you said, all right, here you go. You're on this case. Retrace his steps. I mean, you'd retrace. You'd go to and say, all right, do we have any unsolved murders of women who were specifically stabbed? In these towns, and, and and you start to see them over, well, not just blonde, like the redhead. The redhead too, yeah. I don't even think the, the, the white women, basically. Yeah. And see, I mean, you could probably start to tie some shit together, you know. I only said blonde because uh, I can't remember if it was a brother or sister said that he was attracted to women that reminded him of his mom. Right. And she had red hair. No, she was blonde. The picture, she had red hair with the white glasses. Dude, how many of the home videos were you asleep during those? No, I, every I'm, home I'm, video shows her with the fucking weird ass glasses and blonde hair. The one shot looked red. Maybe you see blonde, I see red. I don't know. Maybe I'm mixing up the different women, but either way, keep going. Thanks for sleeping through this, buddy. I'm sleeping through it. Redhead Andy Sutton and her friend Teresa. Where's she blonde? Back then, I was going through a divorce. I don't think the hair color matters. Just it might not. kind of scared to be on my own, and I ran into Andy and met her in a bar. And uh, she just brought me out of a depression and taught me how to live, and we became really close friends quick. I told her she could come stay at my house, you know, that I slept on the couch anyways. She was family to me. We were at the bar, and... This guy went by, and she's like, I like that. His name was Glenn. Glenn Rogers. I don't know how girls can find that guy. That was a big word, you know, and for her to say she loved Glenn was out of the unordinary for her because the man was a dime a dozen in her opinion, you know. They were all the same, but this one was different. They had an aura about him. Yeah, he had a death stare. He stayed that one night. Literally. We took him to the bus station, and he looked at me, and like really cold, and told me, you take care of her now, you hear? And I was like, I will. Dude, go get on your bus. Glenn had spun a story about having to buy a car, and headed south on a one-way ticket to Tampa, Florida. A couple days later, I'm contacted by the Tampa, Florida Police Department. They had a female victim down there. Glenn Rogers is a suspect in their murder. Tina Marie Cribs was a 33-year-old hotel worker who'd gone through a divorce and was doing the best she could for her two kids. Two nights after Glenn rented a room at the Tampa 8 Motel in Florida, the maid Erica Charleston came in to clean. Erica would later tell the court what she saw. The bathroom door was closed. I pushed it open. I could see a body in the tub. Just a piece of her head. I could see that it was a dead person. 
Tina had been stabbed twice and her body stripped before being placed in the tub. He was going to commit a murder in the motel room. You put the body in the bathtub before you stab it. <laughs> that way, when the blood runs out of the body with the shower running, it's not all over the sheets, the blankets, the carpeting. So we have the, an M.O. The, mm-hmm. Everything. So any so woman that had been stabbed in, the- in a bathtub in a, in, in a fucking apartment, a hotel room, anything like that, or a home, in any of the places he was at, at the time he was there, I think you have to equate to him. So, why haven't they done this? The tub, it drains all night in the morning. You roll it up, throw it in a truck, and drive away. And nobody ever knows it happened. Unless you leave the body there. <laughs> and his lock of well, yeah. fire just went out of control, you know. Bodies were showing up, you know. He wasn't getting states, caught, you know, so south. there's no reason and to get rid of the bodies. My first inclination was, we've got a serial killer on the loose. Police believe that Rogers killed 71-year-old Mark Peters in Hamilton and then dumped his body in Beattysville, Kentucky in January of 1994. From there, L.A. police say he murdered a Santa Monica woman in Van Nuys in September of 1994. L.A. investigators say he is a man with a short fuse who is killing for purely psychological reasons. So there's a manhunt for this guy. Do you remember hear about him? Mm. Me either. My brother was I was young, though. I like steps. fourth, fifth grade. So I wouldn't really have paid much attention. The hadn't Marie Cribb's body in Florida just yet. So by the time he got back to Louisiana, not a soul in them Borgier bars knew Glenn was on a killing spree. She uh, told me my baby's back in town, and I was like, who's your baby? Her baby was Glenn Rogers. On Wednesday, November 8th, 1995, my brother Glenn met Andy Sutton at a bar in Bossier City, Louisiana. And then they went back to the apartment she shared with her roommate, Teresa. I remember waking up and it was 10 o'clock and I heard this knock at the door and asked, who is it? It was Andy's ex-boyfriend that she had been trying to get back with. So I told him just a minute because I figured she was back there with Glenn and I didn't want that situation to be a drama scene. So I went and knocked on the door and I got no answer. And I knocked again and I got no answer. And then I finally just opened the door and when I went in there, the covers on my waterbed were just tucked like there was something wrapped under the blanket and I called out her name and I heard nothing and then um, I pushed on the blanket and still nothing Everything happened so fast. Uh, I pulled the blanket off of her, or off of whatever was under the covers at that time. I pulled the blanket down, and there was a pillow on 
somebody's head and it was a person because there was a, a naked body there, but I don't know if it's a boy or a girl because it was so flat. Everything was flat. And when I pulled the pillow, I pulled the covers down further, I noticed it was a girl and I called her name and no answer and I pulled the pillow off of her head. And she had this horrible, excruciating look on her face. deceased person discovered, believed it was a homicide, and directed me to 400 Preston Place Apartments. There was a pile of dirty clothes next to the bed. We went through that pile of dirty clothes and we found a large butcher knife. Whoever had done this was taking out an awful lot of aggression on this lady's body. Multiple stab wounds. She had defensive wounds on her fingers and her arms. It was just a brutal death, uh, bad. During my interview with Teresa, she had told me that Glenn's truck was at her apartment. I ran Glenn Rogers through NCIC and it came back a hit. Police now suspect Glenn Rogers in six killings, one in Ohio with the body dumped in Kentucky, two in California, one in Florida, one in Mississippi, and one in Louisiana. My brother had killed three women in a week, and that was all over the news, all over the country. Hamilton homicide investigators say they are working with Kentucky State Police and the Los Angeles Police Department in the widening hunt. Usually, like, when they get to that point where they start to do it so consistent, so they want to get caught. It's like they're trying to say, all right, motherfuckers, catch me. Like, I'm literally, like, do, 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 as opposed to... Three in a week is a lot, dude. As opposed to, like, months apart or Mm -hmm. years apart, even. Like, those are harder to tie together. Yeah. But, like, he's... and, And it's like a drug, like... Yeah. And you have to keep it going too, but it's like you you subtly you kind of want to be caught, like yeah. And realistically, it's one a day because you've got travel time. You know what I mean? Because he's going yeah. all over the country. It is. Those are, he goes with town, finds a girl, fucker, killer, go to the next place. Does he fucking him though? I mean, I don't know. I, I just assumed she was naked. So yeah. Assumed, but. It's it's well. I mean, he, technically, he's dated yeah. all of these girls. So yeah, yeah I'm sure there was. It's her baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That last one. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's interesting. It's crazy. When are we going to get to the murder of Nicole? It's crazy that we've never heard about this shit. Yeah, I've never even heard of the guy's name after doing all that shit on OJ and all this. I've never heard of Glenn Rogers. For Glenn Rogers. And this is, what, 10 years old? Uh, And Paul Schaefer was a local reporter who took a personal interest in trying to stop the killing. He even went to see my mom to talk her into doing something about Glenn. Blondish reddish from that picture. Rogers' front door. The trajectory and the intensity and the seriousness of this spree and the sense that mm-hmm. we all had that but this could died. get worse before <laughs> it got better. It was very important to so reach Edna and at least try and get a message out to him. 
Glenn, please, if you hear this, I'm begging you, please give up. Please. I love you very much, and I believe in you. Please. Please give up. When the murders became big news, Glenn's phone calls to my family started turning nasty. I was begging him. I said, Glenn, I'll come to you and I'll go with you. And he said, no, they'll shoot me. There's a shoot to kill on me. And uh, I said, well, what do you want me to do? And he, and he said, I, I don't know if I would ever kill anybody I'm related to, but I'm not sure. Jesus. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. He's on his way back there. And he says, well, then I'll just come full circle and kill everybody. Well, he was going to come back around and kill anybody. He says, I'll either end up, you'll either end up shooting me or I'll shoot you. After talking with police officers and detectives and family members and others who had... Oh, you, you motherfucker. With these pop-up ads out of nowhere. Yeah, surprise ads. Bullshit. But interacted with Glenn in earlier years, it was very clear that he came from a very dysfunctional home. And it was my sense strongly that this was a man that likely wanted to kill his mother and others, but principally her. I know you don't want to hurt me. You love me too much. And I love him. She thought he was coming back to kill her and Bob, her boyfriend at the time. Say who fucks Bob? <laughs> New, My mom new man. had started seeing Bob after our dad, Claude, had been turned into a cripple by a stroke. She'd been nursing my dad back to health for two years until his death in 1987, and then moved Bob in, which totally pissed Glenn off. You know, it might seem surprising to people. So why would he lash out at his, at his mother if his father or others were actually the sources of the abuse? And there's a dynamic in dysfunctional families where the person who should have protected him not necessarily the abuser but the person that should have protected him from the abuser becomes the focus of a great deal of anger and hostility when was his first murder was it after 87 or around 87 because that's when the dad died the dad died and she brought in this bob so at that point it was like fuck it I'm starting to kill people now. Like, that's how I'm going to take it out on her in a fucked up way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Pull up the Wikipedia, see when the first person was. And look at that. Tell me that's blonde. That looks fucking red. Well, when she, yeah. <laughs> Tell me I'm fucking sleeping. But, uh. It's, I can see both. In this one, I swear they, what, that one where she was walking at the camera, I swear it looked blonde. But it could just be like the, the way the sun hits yeah, it. I don't know. Yeah. Point is, I guarantee you it's not her natural hair yeah, color no, no matter what yeah, we're seeing I, I, agree. I agree i bet you she's a brunette but maybe not because he's a blonde and it looked like clay was a blonde the sister's, sister's blonde, blonde but yeah. well the sister's hair currently is dyed right <laughs> um let's see when the first murder was mark peters was 94 so, so 87 seven years later to you know and then but around this time, somewhere between 94 and 95, is when he told his brother, 50. Well, if you look there, 93 is when he stabbed him. They didn't find him until 94. Okay. 
So. But that's, I mean, that's really beside the point. If you, it was around this time of Sandra Gallagher where he had, or it was between these two, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Or it was between these two where, where he had 50. told his brother 50. So from 87 to here, I, you could, yeah. do the math. Yeah, that's about I 10 think, a year. I think right before Tina was at 70. So I think it was between Mark and Sandra was 50 and then between Linda and Tina was So 70. he was averaging one a month. Roughly from 87 to there. And see, I bet you he started it in 87, 88, somewhere right, after Bob died. moved in. Yeah, fucking Bob, man. After Dad died and Bob moved in, that's when he was going to take it out on Mom, but through these other yeah. surrogate people. Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like that's what f- fucked because he was so fucking angry about it. So I guess hey, wait, we have go our... Back, go back to that. Were all the women mothers? Let's see. Mother of three. I think she had a... Tina had kids. I don't think Andy did. All right. But I was just curious because they were saying about the whole mother aspect of it. And, of course, the other 60 people we don't know. (laughs) Yeah. What's interesting is the one guy... Yeah, but he was something about his dad. Or it, yeah, she was. He was friends with the mom. Yeah, but like, and he moved into an apartment that he owned or something. Yeah, yeah. But that's a weird one. Maybe he didn't want to pay the rent. Well, he said that he stole a bunch of his shit too. Yeah, maybe he got caught by yeah. the dude, so he's fucking killed him. Yeah, they found a skeleton. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, because it had been dumped out at that. Yeah, for a year. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I do think. Three of these four women had kids. Yeah. I don't remember them ever saying anything, anything about Andy having kids. Andy Sutton. I don't think so, because that's the one that had, that was Teresa's um, roommate, so I don't think she yeah. had kids yet. So, but I mean, going back to trying to like find all the other 50 or 70, right. I think you've got an M.O. here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Women stabbed potentially with kids, usually in apartments, yeah. homes. I don't believe the hair color matters. It might, you know, but right. it's interesting. Glenn was killing his mother repeatedly yeah. in these women he killed. Well, you just kind of said that. <laughs> My brother had another reason to come home to Hamilton, and I was the only one who knew it. Glenn had told me, when I come full circle, he says, I want you to kill me. He wants to pass on the demon when he comes full circle. That's why he was coming back to Hamilton. It's almost like nobody could kill him, and he was waiting for somebody to shoot him. If I killed him, the demon would come into me, and that way he would be uh, go to the afterlife free and clear. left a trail of mutilated victims stretching from Los Angeles to Tampa. Or we're to 95 now. for five murders in five states. He's on the run, armed and dangerous. Now it's November 13, 1995, and my brother Glenn Rogers is the most wanted man in America with state police and the FBI on his tail. leaving the murder scene in Tampa. Rogers is armed and very dangerous. And where is Glenn? He's drinking beer down the road from the family cabin. When the police spotted him, the chase was on. 
He rolled his window down through a beer can out hitting the, on the front of my car, on the hood of my car. Uh, he then drank another beer and threw it out and hit on the hood of my car. I was afraid that this may be a bit shootout. You know, he may decide this is the way I'm going out. The murders of O.J. and Nicole were in like 93, dude. Or something. And federal agents picked me up to be a negotiator. Glenn got trapped and started shooting. Yeah, so he had already, if, if he had done anything, when he was out in California and he was suspected of his other two, which were in what year? 94? So. 95? 95 was L.A. two years later. O.J. was acquitted in June of 94. And that trial went on for like a fucking year or something, like almost a year or whatever. So it had to have happened in 93, right? Yeah. I'm trying to find the actual, like, day of... As I'm trying to put this whole thing together, so because I'm waiting, I was waiting for them to like, well, and then he went back yeah. to California, yeah. but he hasn't. But it's because it's already been done. It's already been passed because we were we were going off of the, my original think of thinking it was '96. Right. So Nicole Brown Simpson. Oh wait. So in June of '94 is when they happened. Mm-hmm. He was acquitted. Would have been 95 probably. Okay, so that's what the date is. So that other thing I saw was wrong. Yeah. So in June of 94, so it was between Mark Peters and Sandra Gallagher. It was when we said that he said 50 around those two, right? Yeah. Yeah, because he told his brother 50 when he had Mark Peters in the trunk. When he was taking him from Hamilton to Beattyville, Kentucky. Yeah. And that is where he said 50. But he hadn't. So then from here, he went out to California. And then let's just say, based on all this, this theory mm-hmm. that he had killed those other, what? So the other two were in 95. So he stayed in nine, out there for fucking a year after killing well, Nicole. Obviously, nobody was looking at him for Nicole because right. OJ was the focus. Right, and when they were talking about California, he went back and forth between California and home, too. So even though he killed in 94 and then 95 again for her, he had gone back and forth. And then you'd almost have to check everywhere in between. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. You'd have to see. Fucking, um, what, what the fuck, rest areas and shit like that, too. You know, anywhere. So you got Sandra in California in 95, September 95. This one was in Mississippi. This was in Florida. And this one's Louisiana. I thought the thing at MAP said they were suspected of one in Ontario, California. Yeah. I don't know why it's not on there. So that's interesting because I don't see that anywhere here. Mm-hmm. Well, well, maybe they suspected him, but... Scroll down a little bit. On the right-hand side, it says uh, victims 5 plus 70 canceled 1. Click on the 1. Does that give you all the... Oh. No, it's just a reference to that. Okay, never mind. I was thinking it had, like, the whole list of suspected people. Yeah, he was apprehended on where we're at now. Yeah. All right, well, let's watch the apprehension. Or... There's still a half hour left. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot to go, I guess. Yeah. At the time this happened, I didn't have a lot of time to think about... Uh, 
what I was actually doing. I was mainly in shock at what was going on at that, at what they thought that my brother had done and what they had planned to do to him. No! Come on! Let's go! They were hoping to get there in time to prevent any problems that might happen with his arrest. Keep him from being shot and killed. Nice shot. My brother was still driving the white Ford Festiva he'd stolen from Tina Marie Cribs after killing her in Florida. He pushed that little car to over 100 miles an hour before troopers ran him off the road outside Waco, Kentucky. Well, I was hoping you'd say Waco, Texas, but no. <laughs> is emotional for me this was a victim's car and in that car was pieces of her jewelry and earrings and there was a lipstick thing and and seeing that car made it very 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 personal glenn did you do this one-on-one talk to me in person alone did you do this glenn did you kill those women glenn one-on-one alone at the jail you interview me did you kill the women you hear me did you kill these women glenn Another fucking mm-hmm. ad. Why was he so adamant about do it one on one in jail? Because he wants alone. to stab him. He likes doing it alone. <laughs> Surprised the cops let him even fucking get that close. You know the reporter and shit. Good and evil exist in this world, and there's some people that are just evil for the sake of being evil and they like it would you put your brother Glenn in that category i think glenn would have been a, a wonderful father a great human being but he wasn't given the tools that he needed to become that person instead he was given the tools to become the exact opposite of that i didn't get any tools when i was born did you police yeah, took tools my brother glenn to police headquarters in richmond kentucky for questioning Well, we took him to the state police post, and he wanted to know what we were there for. And we said that we were there because of, we had four to five homicides. He said four or five, maybe 70, he's up to 70, like about 70 people. These five that we knew about, and that he's told us now there's more. Glenn, Glenn, why'd you do it, Glenn? Why'd you do it, Glenn? We talked to Sue, Glenn. We talked to Sue. Why'd you do it, Glenn? Your mother called me five minutes ago to tell me to tell you she loves you. Do you have a message for her? Glenn, why'd you do it, man? One on one alone. Felt like that he probably had killed several, maybe fifteen to twenty people. I'm not sure he did the thirty or forty or seventy. Talk to be the guy sitting on either side of him. More than what we know. Because he killed those three or four uh, real quick. 
Some Zach Galifianakis. Dude, he did Zach Galifianakis all day long. Now, if they're going to make a movie. From Masterminds with the blonde wig. Yeah. Yeah. November the 14th, 1995, jail docket from Madison County, Kentucky. I'd like to call the case of uh, Glenn Edward Rogers. Mr. Rogers? Yes, sir. Uh, I want to read to you at this time, you're right. When a case like this uh, comes to a climax and a guy like Glenn is arrested, police departments all over the country start pulling out their unsolved cases and looking to see, could he have been linked to this? And this was happening all over. And you only got five. Glenn was under arrest and the suspect for a bunch of killings. I they like that they were using social California, distancing back then. Gene Ludwig yeah. in Michigan, <laughs> Valerie Brooks in Kentucky, Kayla Mayberry in Louisiana, as well as Carrie Gaskins, Kelly Camargo, and Tommy Wolfifer in Ohio. My phone None of those rang nonstop in my office from agencies all over the United States and Canada calling, inquiring about our investigation and uh, trying to find some link, you know, maybe to some unsolved murders that they had in their jurisdictions. Basically, if Glenn is connected a smidgen of these other agencies. There's a lot of bodies that he's responsible for in the United States. My brother had been moving around the country like a tornado for 15 years. When police took a closer look, they found a pattern. Rare types of killings, bodies left in tubs, frenzied stabbings, and women burnt in cars. We're turning up in places Glenn had passed through, matching him like a glove. Journalists began checking on what my brother might have done. I started walking the streets of Hamilton, asking people if they knew Glenn Rogers. I asked if there were any other unsolved murders in Hamilton at the time. And by now, this was about a year and a half after the death of Mark Peters, and soon found that indeed there was. There was an Emerson Skinner, lived two doors down from Glenn. Emerson Skinner died brutally, 28 stab wounds. Emerson Skinner was a taxi cab customer of Glenn Rogers. Right away, I started finding bodies. And every time I found a body, there was a trace of Glenn Rogers there. So I wonder why he wasn't charged for all of them. Police decided to take a closer look at our cabin in Kentucky, where Glenn had left Mark Peters' body. Okay. Uh, we're searching for any evidence of human remains. I learned later searchers found human bone and hair in two fire pits, which could not have belonged to Mark Peters. A sign Glenn had killed at least another couple of people up there. But for all the killings, my brother... You know what he looks like? Yeah. The uh, Manitoba guy, the fucking... That the Netflix series, uh, Making a Murderer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Looks like him. Avery? Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, what was it? Stephen Avery? Stephen Avery. He kind of looks like him with the kinda, longer hair yeah. and the fucking goofy looking. Yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> what if uh, Glenn Rogers murdered oh my those? God. Murdered uh, well, I looked, Paul and that, Beck and all that. On that last map that had the red lines and dots, there was nothing in Wisconsin, Illinois. I looked. Yeah, but he was up in Michigan. Kentucky's not that far. I mean, 
I don't know. What was the timing of those making a murderer murders? Oh, those were 2000s, weren't they? Was it? Yeah. And he had already been caught. Yeah. Okay. It's <laughs> about to say. I'm going to tie the, this guy to them, too. I'm pretty sure. Let's just put all unsolved cases on this guy. Right. Fuck it. Brother was linked to. Only one state could try him at a time. Florida said they had the hard facts to get Glenn convicted and put in the electric chair. Tampa is the last place Glenn Rogers wants to be. But he lost his six-month battle okay. today to stay out of a state known for its executions. If prosecutors get their way, Rogers won't leave Florida alive. From the first time I talked to him in Hillsborough County Jail, I told him his only recourse was to come clean and uh, at least that way they would know that he was sick to begin with and he'd have some shot or maybe life in prison. He has something that he most definitely wants to say, not sure who it's to. It turned out it would be a criminal profiler called Anthony Mioli who first wrote Glenn in 2009. He was trying to figure out what could turn a man into a killer and Glenn began sending letters back to him. <laughs> so just, I, I'm sorry. I know this has nothing to do with any of this. <laughs> you can tell. I bet you they shot that guy walking four times, at least, because it looks so fucking fake. Like, yeah. like I'm so walking rigid. in here now. They yeah. told me to walk so in here. Rigid, yeah. You know what I mean? Just walk normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was walking like, I'm just going to walk in here now. Like... Right. He was directed, all right, you're going to get off the elevator and you're going to walk in here. <laughs> He's walking like as though a director told you, hey, we need an establishing shot. We need you to walk in here holding a fucking file. Yeah, because you kind of see the smirk on his face mm-hmm. so like you can tell he's never been filmed before. Right. And he's thinking like, I'm an actor. I'm going to walk into this room. So you're adding to your walk. It's just mm-hmm. fucking walk. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's funny to me. I know it has nothing to do with anything, <laughs> but I notice shit like that. Drives me nuts, too. Mm-hmm. Over the past two and a half Jesus years, mothers. we've been writing on a regular basis. It took about six or seven months before I received my first initial breakthrough. Rogers had revealed to me a traumatic childhood event that occurred with his father around 1975 or 1976, putting him around 13 years of age. And he went into great detail. It was the 1970s. I was forced to go to work every day at 3.30 p.m. with my dad. He was a janitor for the United Way in Hamilton, Ohio. On many days, he would bring a lady back with him and go to the basement. On one night, he did the same. Earlier, Mom had called about 10 times. I said he was outside working. She called me a liar and cussed me out over and over again. A while later, the lady came up from the basement and says your dad wants to drink from the jug. The phone was ringing nonstop. She grabbed my face cheeks and says, you be a good boy. I said, you ain't my mom. You're a damn whore, she said. Your mother's a stupid bitch and walked down the hallway. I got really, really pissed and the damn phone was still ringing. I jumped up, ran down the short hallway and pushed her from the back down the basement steps. Then out of fear from hearing my dad yell, 
I ran and hid in the closet. I heard screaming and yelling, and then all of a sudden it went quiet. It seems like forever. Then my dad calls my name. You good for mother bastard? You done it now. You killed her. She's laying on the floor. I couldn't tell if it was blood on the floor or if it was wine. He said, boy, we gotta, gotta clean up this mess. Kept saying, you can't tell anyone or they will put you in prison and beat you every day. I felt scared, but good also. It was the first conversation I ever had with my dad. In a strange way, it changed things forever. We got her, put her in the trunk of an 88 Oldsmobile. We cross the Kentucky Bridge into Kentucky. Then dad pulls over, drags her and carries her to the side of the road. Comes back, shuts the trunk and gets in the car. He says, boy, a snitch is worst kind of person. When we get home, you don't say a word. But what he didn't know is I wanted to brag to mom and say, I killed that bitch for you. She's got she brown hair there. Name, but I knew better. Or After is that dark this, red? Dad didn't take me to work anymore. Didn't even look at me. He said, boy, you're no good. I can't take you anywhere. It wasn't any time before I stopped being scared. I hated everyone in our home. I spent the next few years taking it out on other people. If someone didn't like me, I didn't care. I just hated them more. To this day, I don't know if I killed her when she fell down the stairs or if he did, but I was made to believe I did it. Your friend, Glenn Rogers. And uh, nothing ever happened about it. It's just not that hard to get away with. You dig a hole far enough out and deep enough, no one ever knows. This murder was Glenn's first big confession to the criminal profiler. Now Glenn was ready to come clean on another crime, the murder of Nicole Brown Simpson. Back in 1994, my brother Glenn told me he'd met Nicole Simpson, that she was rich and that he was going to take her down. Just a few days later, a neighbor found the bodies of Ron Goldman and Nicole outside her Brentwood home. While I was thinking Glenn had done it, L.A. prosecutors charged O.J. with the crime. The trial began January 24, 1995, with O.J. Simpson charged with killing his ex-wife and her 25-year-old friend, Ron Goldman. Prosecutors used a range of graphic devices to prove their case. The animation showed the government's theory that O.J. Simpson came to, to Bundy, went through the front gate, killed Nicole, then struggled, and killed Ron Goldman and then left out the back gate. But the prosecution changed their claim on how the victims had been attacked when new evidence was laid out by the coroner. Dr. Lakshmanan said Nicole's head was slashed. She was banged against the wall and knocked unconscious. At that point, the prosecutor revealed a new theory. The murderer left Nicole and killed Ron Goldman, then came back for what is described as the coup de grace. Well, when we first saw it, it presented O.J. Simpson as the murderer, sole murderer, in, in this alcove. It just didn't fit. By that time, we'd come up with the fact that there had to be more than one person.
After eight months of evidence and three hours before. of deliberation, yeah. the trial of the century ended October 3rd, 1995. We, the jury, in the involved in title action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder in violation of Penal Code Section 187A, a felony upon Nicole Brown Simpson. Six weeks after O.J. was found not guilty, the law caught up with Glenn. It wasn't long before my brother was dropping hints about his past crimes. First time I heard about Nicole Simpson and Ron Goldman's murder, I was in my office in Van Nuys and really thought nothing more about it. One day I did receive some letters from a prison inmate indicating that um, Glenn Rogers had written to him that he had met Nicole Brown Simpson and the inference was, and you know what else? We forwarded it immediately to the O.J. Simpson uh, prosecutors. Authorities ignored clues leading to my brother, and it would be years before Glenn came back to that story. Glenn wasn't going to drop hints and letters this time. My brother had learned a new trick during his years on death row, how to paint. These are pictures that uh, Glenn Rogers actually drew in his cell uh, at various times during our correspondence. Glenn was even able to paint the demons he believes have lived inside him all his life. Glenn had explained to me the meaning of this piece. Basically, what you see here is two bottomless abysses, and this is the, the evil within him looking into the deep abyss and seeing two huge tunnels leading down into hell. At first, Glenn drew what took over his mind when crimes occurred. Then my brother started drawing hints about the blood he had shed. At this stage of our relationship, Glenn starts to include clues and or names and or places that he knows I will find in a certain amount of time. In June 2011, Glenn sent the criminal profiler a clue that linked him to the murders of Nicole Simpson and Ron Goldman. Here you see R-O-N, and on this tombstone, you see the letters N-I-C-O-L-E. His admission of his involvement in the Ronald Goldman and Nicole Brown Simpson murders. After getting many letters and paintings, the criminal profiler wanted to confront my brother in person to get the evidence he needed. He paid a visit to Florida's Union Correctional Institution. Finally, years after the murder, Glenn was ready to tell his side of the story. 
Department of Corrections puts out what they call cold case homicide cards. We would grab different games and talk for six hours a visit. After I asked him that he had not sent me any specific information regarding his involvement in the O.J. Simpson case, he said, I had, you just didn't pay attention to the clues. I challenged Glenn to prove that he had actually committed the murders, that only the killer would know what the actual murder weapon looked like. And so Glenn drew the specific weapon. Now, Glenn added a twist that he never told me. A husband's anger over a high-dollar gift that had been kept by his ex-wife was behind it all. Glenn told the criminal profiler he was paid to steal back Nicole's diamonds. Can you show me a set of earrings that would cost approximately $20,000 about 20 years ago? O.J. Simpson allegedly hired Glenn Rogers to get into the house of Nicole Brown Simpson and get a pair of earrings. Essentially, his belief was that they were worth $20,000. Glenn told me that OJ's instructions were that you may have to kill the bitch. Those were his exact words. Glenn Rogers explained to me that he had parked his white pickup truck, a Ford pickup truck, uh, on a side street right by the side of the condo. He explained that OJ knew of a spare set of keys in the rear of the condo. The idea was that actually the murder would take place inside the home. Once Glenn got the keys, he then crouched down just past the front of the gate. At that moment is when Ronald Goldman walks through the front gate. Glenn Rogers realized that Ronald Goldman suddenly became an obstacle that needed to be dealt with. He struck him with a large knife, incapacitating him, and threw him against the tree. It was not something that I had expected Rogers to say. He said that upon her entering into the fray, he stabbed Nicole Brown Simpson once, and she fainted. He charged Goldman and pushing him against the tree where he later was found deceased. He said that he pulled her hair back to expose her neck and pulled the knife once to sever her neck to kill her instantly. OJ, anything you can tell us? OJ didn't want to, quote, get his hands dirty per se, in the crimes. He was essentially going to check on Glenn's work. If Glenn's story was true, there had to be something at the crime scene to show he'd been there. And sure enough, evidence came out in the Simpson trial that two men were there. Shoe prints spelled out yeah. a story in blood. And the Lorenzo. FBI agent William Bodziak went halfway around the world to find these expensive Italian shoes he said are similar to the ones that could have been worn by O.J. Simpson to commit the murders. Bodziak examined the bloody footprints found on the walkway outside Nicole Brown Simpson's condo. They matched the soles on the exclusive Bruno Malley shoes, he said, and the size of Simpson's tennis shoes are a perfect fit. 
but the shoe prints that looked like OJ's weren't the only ones there. It's possible to identify here the design that resembles a shoe. Yes. Nationally known forensic scientist Henry Lee identified a second set of shoe prints, what could be a mystery murderer. By the time OJ had gotten there, two people had bled significantly onto the sidewalk. If OJ Simpson told me I did it, I would want to know how. You got to explain to me how you did this in less than six minutes and got rid of the weapon, the clothes, the bloody clothes. How did you do this? Impossible. I'm absolutely certain that my brother Glenn killed Nicole Simpson and Ron Goldman. I know my brother did it because I've seen proof that he was there. to see that proof. Somber members of the Brown family attended a candlelight vigil marking the first anniversary of the death of Nicole Brown Simpson and her friend Ron Goldman on June 12, 1994. Family members wore angel pins in memory of Nicole who had collected angel jewelry before her death. I remember the pen. Mom said Glenn sent it to her. Huh. And when she went to trial, he wanted her to wear it. In 2010, I got another letter from Glenn, and this is what it says. At my trial, Mom has on that black vest top, and pinned to it is a gold angel with a diamond in its hand. I sent that to Mom the day after the situation in Brentwood. It's something everyone missed. I believe that that angel pen is absolute proof that Glenn killed Nicole Simpson and Ron Goldman. The same pendant taken off her body. The same pendant that my mom wore on her vest into the courtroom in Hillsborough County Jail. There's your proof. Eighteen months after he was captured, a Florida judge sentenced Glenn to death for killing Tina Marie Cribs in the Tampa 8 Motel. May God have mercy on your On July 16, 1999, California sentenced Glenn for the murder of Sandra Gallagher, who was found in her burnt-out truck. Now, this man not only attacked our daughter, he brutalized her, he raped her, he set her on fire, killed her. This man does not deserve to live. Well, I think. After that last trial, my brother became one of the few men in America in rape, sentenced to face two that? separate executions. We know he murdered her. And because of that, other families... Just because you're a murderer doesn't mean you're a rapist. Right. All these girls were into this dude. Right. I'm pretty sure it was consensual. Like, I'm not trying to defend this guy, but I agree with his eye roll there. Mm. He didn't eye roll until the guy said rapist. Right. Yeah. He knew we hadn't fucking raped yeah. him. He He's a murderer, not a rapist. Right. Not that Big there's difference. a fucking... I mean, there isn't, really, but there is. Right. Like... 
families like those of Linda Price in Mississippi could never get their day in court. Just about every other state where Glenn was suspected quietly dropped their investigations. That's I feel like mm -hmm. my involvement in the Glenn Rogers cases, whatever minute or big they may be, I feel like by him being executed that I contributed to the point that he's about to be at. And I've got great relief knowing that. They took a part of my life, my baby sister, and I had a dream about her, actually. And right after, probably a couple of years after, you know, it happened, and she was laying on my floor, and she was telling me, don't let him get away with it. So you make sure he gets justice, because you know he killed me. In my heart now, I, I believe he will, you know, get his judgment. It's been 15 years since a judge sentenced Glenn to die. He's run out of appeals and could be executed any day now. He has said he just wants me there to witness, and there's I'm not going to do that. I can't. I can't live with that. I can't watch somebody die, especially my brother. On the day that the execution does happen, and I'm sure that it will, uh, I'd like to be right there. I don't think anybody else will. I want somebody to be there that, and he knows he's there for the right reason. What is the right reason? Hmm. I was going to ask that. To let him know that I understand. It could have been me. Yeah, I'm about done. <laughs> Those are kind of scary. <laughs> this is the Rogers Family Cemetery in Lee County, Kentucky. Our family's been buried here since 1840. My brother Glenn is on death row, and uh, this is where he wants to be buried. Well, Glenn likes to get a final ha-ha, a final gotcha in on anything. And what would be the best gotcha ha-ha to be buried next to his murder victims that you don't even know he did. The dirt is all loose. So's the grave next to it. Glenn told me the best way to get rid of a body is find a fresh dug grave. Move the dirt over, put the body down in there, cover the dirt back up, lay the side back down. Nobody never know it's there. If there are people up here, we need to know. I got a message, Glenn. Time to come clean. It's getting too close. It's been too long. You know, come clean, bring closure to everybody, and show everybody that you're not the animal that they think you are. Okay? Just do that for me. Interesting. It's crazy how one movie that I got off of Redbox spawned this. Yeah. Well, um, 
I guess the only thing I'm still trying to tie together is if Glenn did it, this theory here, the brother's theory or whatever, Glenn was killed them both on his own. OJ showed up after the fact and had hired him. Hired Glenn to get the fucking jewelry. That was the main thing, was to get the jewelry. Well, he panicked because Ron wasn't supposed Ron to be there. Ron showed up, so that's why Ron got stabbed first. Nicole came out, he stabbed her then, and I'm guessing went and got the jewelry or took the jewelry off of her, mm-hmm. whatever. But then, I mean... Obviously, if you're OJ, you're not going to say, yeah, I hired this fucking asshole over right, here, right. you know, to get this jewelry back. And then he ended up murdering them because then he'd kind of be back to the accomplish. Yeah. You know, so I, I get why that didn't come out, why he didn't fucking rat the guy out. But OJ's footprints are there mm-hmm. in the blood. At least, I mean, did he? He's not going to give his shoes to this fucking guy. And right. why would you do that? Right, and then you have to wear two different shoes. The guy would have to wear two yeah. shoes. Um. So, still, what's OJ doing there now? It does kind of explain because OJ is going through his head that I hired this fucking guy to go get the jewelry. He ends up killing them. It's going to come back and on me because mm-hmm. it's going to look like I hired him to kill them. Right. So this explains the Bronco chase and all this. But what was he doing there? They said in this that he was there to check on the on his work. Mm-hmm. And, but if Glenn's supposed to go get the jewelry and then give them to OJ, why would OJ need to go check on the fucking? You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I'm, st- I'm struggling with this. I feel like both of them were there together. OJ was there with Glenn. Maybe in the Bronco waiting and Glenn was supposed to go in because, like, Clay always sent Glenn in as a kid mm-hmm. to go get the shit. So this was a normal thing. Yeah. OJ was there with him. Glenn went in. Shit popped off. He hadn't come out right away because... You know, we're supposed to go in and get the jewelry and get the fuck out. Right. So then OJ comes in, oh shit, there's all, you know. Maybe, okay. And there was still probably a struggle between the two of them. Glenn takes off. OJ maybe was left with the fucking knife. And that's what he still dumped at the ho- at the, the hospital, the airport. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there was that dumping right. of whatever at the right. airport. But OJ was there. And that's the thing that ties O.J. to the actual murder. But maybe O.J. didn't actually do the actual murder. Right. right. What if, well, let's go this. Let's go this route, kind of evolving your theory. O.J. drove him there, said, go in, get the fucking thing. She should be sleeping now or whatever. He's waiting out in the Bronco. He sees Ron walk in. He's like, oh, shit, I'm going to try and, you know, get some interference you know catch ron so i can you know we're good but by then he'd already killed ron nicole came out because she heard the you know the commotion killed her and then that's when oj walked up after the fact he might have just in because he's he in might have kill walked mode. up right when 
Glenn was killing her. Yeah. And, and then there's the struggle maybe between him and Glenn yeah, a little bit. Yeah, because he's in kill mode, not realizing. he got cut on his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I can believe that. Now I will give more credence. So when we did this podcast, that whole thing with mm-hmm. that trial, my wife maintained that she thought O.J. was innocent. Right. Not because of any, any logic behind her theory. Right, right. This is logical, and I could buy this, that O.J. Right. didn't physically murder either one of them. Glenn did, but O.J. was there. Yeah. And he couldn't obviously wrap this guy out because it would have tied him to it. Him. Yeah. So it would have been, it was easier probably from a attorney's perspective to just get him off. Yep. As opposed to point the finger at somebody else. Cause yep. typically when you're going to get this guy off, you would maybe point to somebody else. Yeah. They never pointed anybody else because but this couldn't. makes the most sense. I think if, I mean, had I known of this guy sooner, but obviously right. this guy right. was kept a fucking secret, probably on purpose, because had you brought this guy out at all, it still would have implicated OJ to a certain extent. And he would have served. In hindsight, you probably should have just fucking served that time and been done with it. Right. And then maybe the whole thing that happened in Vegas. Right. Wouldn't but he it. served time for both of those. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I still am confused why you would go do a fucking if I did it book, video, all that shit, and then that weird confession thing and Charlie and all this shit. But Charlie could have been Glenn. Well, they yeah. never did tie Glenn to ever, other than they said Glenn was going around using a, a different name, different name or whatever. Alias, whatever they said, yeah. But never heard that it was Charlie. Right. Right. Now, if we could get something where Glenn referred to himself that he used the name Charlie as a alias, I think you've got your fucking hundred percent yeah. proof at that point. Yeah. But now the angel pen, pretty damn uh, interesting. Yeah, pretty damning. Right why? There. Why would he send that and say use this on that? You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was just, he was all about clues because the paintings was interesting yeah, too. What clues in those? I mean, you clues. do paintings. You said. Earlier that you don't have that, uh, you know, the thing that you wanted me to edit out, or oh, I suggested. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, Dave. Have you written clues in your paintings? Uh, no, but I'll start. So I'll start. Little yeah. clues. Yeah. I'll drop of all your more. murders. <laughs> yeah, all my illegal it's interesting. activities. Yeah, nuts. What, what do you think about him burying people at his family gravesite. I mean, that makes a lot of sense too, man. It does kind of like but, obviously they they declined it is what it said on screen yeah. and it was that but I don't know. I mean, I don't see him doing that though. He he left a lot of bodies. Yeah, it's know? like he didn't give a shit. Yeah, he left the lady in the hotel, you know, um the duty put It was kind of sloppy with his I just, like you said I don't think he gave a shit. I think No, I don't think caught. he did either cuz he he look how many he'd gotten away with. Mm-hmm. Even if it was just those 5, he had basically gotten away with all of them. Yeah. I mean they knew but let's say there was 50. You've gotten away with 50 murders before anybody even found the first one. Right. And they found it but didn't tie it to him necessarily. Right. Right. And then there yeah, was, it was suspected. Up to 70 now before they started making a connection that maybe it was him at least on these five mm-hmm. he had killed 70 let's just go with that yeah. including a very high profile one that nobody was pinning him on or, or you know even saying that right. eh, could have been this guy i mean you would be sloppy too because who gives a fuck yeah you're getting away with it basically yeah 
I mean, it was it, all in it was all in rage, you know, fits of rage. It's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting find. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious to see that movie you got to see the dramatized yeah, version of yeah, it, I'll but bring it. um, I don't know. I think I think I can get on board with this theory that OJ is innocent of physically committing the murder, but is not innocent of being involved in it. Right. He is guilty of being involved in terms of not hiring murder, murder for hire, but in hiring him, this guy, to steal that shit. Shit popped up, but yeah. OJ was there, and this is why we had the fucking... He had to get him off us, why he never implicated that guy. Yeah. I wonder if on this guy, where they're going to take him to execute him, if he'll just fucking say it. Like, one final thing, I'm going to give you all the names. I mean, at that point... Why not? Yeah. Or do you just leave it mystery? Like, just say, it's all in my paintings. Figure it out. And yeah. then they pump him full yeah, of he's whatever. Not really, he's not really doing it for, like, fame and, and glory or glamour. He doesn't he's... seem to give a shit about celebrity. No, no. Like, or anything. Like, it's not like he's, you know, he wants to talk one-on-one in private. Right. He does, otherwise, you'd be doing fucking major yeah. news interview. I mean, you're on Oprah death row. Like, shit. Yeah. Well, not Oprah, but, yeah, like... I'm sure he's gotten tons of requests to sit and do a sit-down na- nationwide-type interview type thing, right, you know. Right. And he's probably declined them all, you know. Right. It's not, he's not looking for the fame. He didn't do this for fame. He did this because there's something in him that he needed to get out. Right. Anyways. Let's call it. I have to go murder <laughs> some dogs, so yeah. um, I can go bury those at the Rogers gravesite. Anyways. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. Interesting, interesting little ditty there. Yeah. All right, buddy. Yeah.
please subscribe to the Detour Podcast Network on iTunes, and don't forget to rate and review while you're there. You can also download the Stitcher and Podbean app to your device for free and search Detour Podcast Network and subscribe. If you enjoy listening to the shows on the Detour Podcast Network, then spread the word to everyone you know. Your word of mouth is our best advertising method, and we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. Where can I buy a director's chair? Amazon. Where can I buy Welcome Back, Cotter on DVD? Amazon. Where can I buy that Humping Animals adult coloring book with a dog fucking a chicken on the back? Amazon. Go to d2rpn.com and click the Amazon banner. Buy an oven mitt. Hey, it's Ryan. And it's Dave. If you guys like the skits on the Rock Vegas podcast, check out the Rock Vegas puppet show on YouTube. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Rock Vegas Puppet Show. And also on Twitter at Rock Vegas Puppet. Yeah, new episodes come every Sunday. Make sure you subscribe. So there I am in my car, listening to shitty music. And I ask myself the tough questions. Why am I listening to the same song over and over again when I could be listening to the D2R Podcast Network? And is it true that he who smelt it dealt? And why the fuck did the chicken cross the road? And what the hell is on Joey's head? Hey, I wonder if Yoko Ono saw yesterday, today. I wonder if tomorrow was yesterday. Rockford reference. The D2R Podcast Network. Live for today or yesterday.